this is week number six of a series called Breaking the Rules. Um, I've had a couple of people ask me, what rules are we breaking? Um, and we're breaking the rules that culture has said is normal for us. Uh, you know, there's just things in life that everybody does and you just feel inclined to do so that you'll fit in. And we spend a lot of our lives simply trying to fit in. And I want us to stop trying to fit in with this world, with this culture. And I want us to learn to stand on God's truth and embrace the fact that his principles for our lives are much more fulfilling than anything that the world has to offer. And so we talked about a couple of different topics. Um, in the end, what we're saying is, uh, based out of Matthew seven fourteen, that uh, that there is a wide gate and a broad road that the Bible says leads to destruction. I would call that normal. Most people are headed toward the path that leads to destruction. But there's a small gate and a narrow path that leads to life. Matthew 7 says that only a few find it. And I want us to be part of that few. I want us to, to steer clear of the broad path that everybody's traveling down that the world tells us is normal. And I want us to, to rebel against normal because normal is overrated. Normal doesn't leave us uh, fulfilled in this life. Normal always makes us want more. And I want us to be part of the few. I want us to rebel against normal, walk down the narrow path so that we can experience life. I think that's a great place to be headed toward is life rather than destruction. And so hopefully the series has been helpful for you today. It's going to get a little more interesting, hopefully, maybe not. Uh, but I think that what we're going to talk about today is, is one of the most impacting and relevant topics that we could talk about, especially in our culture uh, in the day that we live in. And so I'm going to encourage us today to become sex rebels, to look at sex differently, to embrace sex differently as part of our lifestyles and what that looks like for all of us. Uh, now, I've got to be honest with you. I got a text message from my wife this morning. She's out of town visiting another church. Uh, she was part of a women's uh, program yesterday. And she texted me early this morning and she said, I'm praying for you. I know you're going to kill it, but you better not share any more personal stories of our sex life. And uh, what she was referring to was last year we did a series called God Loves Sex on the book of Song of Solomon and one week it was super spicy and I shared a bit of information about her sending me uh, some pictures and she wasn't too happy with that. And, uh, you know, I could deal with the fact that she wasn't happy with it, you know, she'll get over that, but when she stopped sending them, you know, I was like, I'm not sharing any more stories, I'm not sharing any more stories. Done with that. So we'll, we'll try to, I'll try to behave today and get out of this in one piece and, and hopefully we can encourage one another. Um, I want to start by reading a passage of scripture written by a man named Paul. He was one of the uh, early leaders in the church. He wrote most of the New Testament, over half of it. Uh, he just got uh, great insight for our lives that still applies to us today. And he wrote a letter to the Romans. And in Romans chapter number 1, starting in verse number 21, the Apostle Paul says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. This is a, this is a pretty illuminating verse for all of us. That he was writing to a group of people who knew God. They knew God. They knew who God was. They knew about God. They knew the teachings of God. But, and I think like a lot of our society today who, especially in the South, knows about God, grew up around church, has heard the story of God, of Jesus, 
It says they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, meaning they didn't worship him as God. Even though they knew him as God, they lived lives that didn't glorify him. So they knew one thing, they knew what was right, but they chose a different path. We would call that the broad path that leads to destruction. They didn't give thanks to him. Their thinking became futile. This is what it leads to when you don't worship God and you worship other things. Their thinking became futile and their hearts were darkened. Not a great place that normal leads you. Dark hearts. Dark hearts. He goes on to say, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. The very things that they thought were wise, the things that they thought they should be doing were the very same things that made them look like fools in the sight of God. Verse 23 says, And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and and reptiles. So they replaced God in their life with things of the world. Okay, and I think that it's safe to say that a lot of people replace God with sex in this world. That sex can be a God in of itself. That sex, for a lot of people, signifies power and acceptance. And, uh, and it's gone about, it's used outside of God's design for their life. Uh, in verse 24, listen to what happened as a result of this. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. This group of people had become so dark in their hearts because they didn't glorify God for who he was that he turned them over to their desires, that he allowed them uh, to be sexually immoral among one another. And it says that they degraded one another's bodies. You know, people today think that sex is fulfilling and By God's design, it is extremely fulfilling. But outside of that, we're going to learn that that there are some some major pitfalls to the thinking that this world gives us. In verse 25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And I think that there's a lot of lies, especially for younger generations when it comes to this topic. And it's important that you make a choice, that you make a, a firm stance on God's truth, that you don't exchange the truth of God for a lie, that you don't buy into something that isn't true, that isn't right for your life, that's not based on God's principles. And they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. You know, our culture has called beliefs about sex today progressive that are far from God's truth. We can just be honest enough to recognize that together. Um, If you look at even over the last 40 to 50 years, I mean, when you look at like, I Love Lucy, anybody ever seen reruns of I Love Lucy? You know, married couples sleeping in different beds because they didn't want any false gestures when it came to the explicitness of sex. And so, uh, you know, when, when an actress became pregnant, they didn't even say the word pregnant on the air when the character became pregnant because the actress became pregnant. Uh, they would say things uh, that, that weren't even, the, they didn't even use the word pregnant, but today, today it's estimated that in the year 2014, there will be over 17,000 sex scenes, not on adult channels, not on adult movies, 17,000 sex scenes just on network television programming. 
Just on major network channels, programs are going to show 17,000 sex scenes. Obviously, they're not all going to be like full nudity in the whole nine yards, but they're showing people making love. And here's here's the, the dangerous thing about what we are being told in today's culture. 91% of those sex scenes are going to be between people who are not married, which means it's sexual immorality. Okay, the Bible teaches us that God's design for sex is one man and one woman in the marriage covenant. One man, one woman who are married. That's God's design. Outside of that, sexual immorality. Okay, so, so our culture is teaching us things, our culture is promoting things, and there's agendas, there's lies that we're being told that are far from God's truth, but it's normal today. It's, it's, it's normal. It's very normal for us. Listen, no one like, you probably have not had this conversation in your lifetime. Have you ever had someone that just comes up to you and says something like, you know, this year... I'm finally going to start that affair that I've been talking about all my life. You know, no one says that, right? They don't come out and say that. Like, no one says, no one says, porn is so much more emotionally satisfying than any human relationship. Do people come out and say that? They don't say that unless you're John Mayer and you're just an idiot. You don't come out and say that. You don't say porn is so much more satisfying than any human relationship I've ever experienced. I mean, come on, that's, that's a lie. You don't come out and say that. You don't, you don't just come out and say, you know, I've always wanted an STD. I just want to try that. You know anybody that has one that would have sex with me? People, you don't say that. You don't come out and say that. And you definitely don't come out and say, you know, I wonder what would happen if I had sex with my coworker today. You think I'd get fired? You, you don't say these things. But what happens? Most of what I just said is fairly normal in today's culture. It's normal to sleep with someone that's not your wife if you're married, if not your husband if you're married. It happens a lot. It's normal to look at porn. It's normal to find satisfaction from a computer screen, from a TV screen, rather than through God's intended purpose for it. It's normal to to have co-workers that get so emotionally attached that that one thing leads to another. It's normal things, and no one just wakes up one day and says, I want that for my life. So how does it happen? I think it's a lot like walking from New York to Los Angeles. 24,000 miles. If you're standing in New York and someone says, let's walk to Los Angeles, you're like, I could never do that. I could never do that. But you know what? It's been done. You say, well, how, 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 is that, how does that happen? The average person takes them about 2,000 steps to walk a mile. 24,000 miles, just under 5 million steps that a person takes to walk from New York to Los Angeles. And you know how they do it? One step at a time. It's one step at a time. And that's what happens to us in the area of sex where we find ourselves in places that we would have never woken up and said, you know what, I'm going to try this today. It starts with maybe you see something on a television screen. And it puts thoughts in your mind. Then you, maybe you begin to have an argument with a spouse or you begin to feel lonely and someone shows you a little extra attention at the workplace or at school. You begin to feel some emotional ties. 
You begin to allow your standards to drop and things that you said you would never do, you find yourself doing. And before you know it, you have gotten yourself into a mess and you didn't intend to get there. You didn't intend to get there, but one step after another is going to take you somewhere. And the direction that you're walking is important because it's going to lead you somewhere. And I want today nothing more than to ask you to encourage you, to challenge you, to become rebels in the area of your views on sex so that you're not walking into dangerous places and you're not walking into places that you're going to regret. Paul encourages us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. He says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Like the standard that the Bible gives us when it comes to sex is pretty high. Again, one man, one woman in the confines of marriage. That's God's design. Outside of that, the Bible calls it sin. And, and Paul encourages, he says, don't let there be a hint of sexual immorality. Don't even let people think that you're doing anything sexually immoral. And Jesus, of course, raises the bar to a standard that none of us can live up to. When he says, you've heard it said that adultery is a sin, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. So Jesus submits your thoughts and your intentions, your mind, to a standard that is pretty, is pretty high. It's pretty tough. It's pretty tough to live up to. So I want to encourage us to, to see the fact that the way the world sees sex, the way that the world engages in sex, and the way that the world embraces sex, is, it's dangerous. It's, it's not just a game. It's not something that's to be taken lightheartedly. It's not something that we should just shrug our shoulders at and, and pretend that people are just ancient relics for living up to God's standards. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 through 20. Do you not know that your, body, your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Why would he say that? Why would he even bring up this reference? Because surely today we're living in a society that's much, much, much more ungodly than their society. You know, the truth is, it's not really the case. Paul here was writing a letter to the church in Corinth. In the places where they worshipped, they were what were called temple prostitutes. And it would be normal in their day to go to church and to buy a prostitute and to go have sex. That was a form of their worship. It's pretty messed up. Okay? In case you're wondering, we won't be starting that ministry here at Synergy. Just, <laughs> just going to throw that out there. It's not going to happen. And he's saying, hey guys, what are you doing? Don't you know that your body is united with Christ. He says, Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. What's he saying here? Sex is not just a one-time event. It's not just an insignificant activity. It's not something that's driven by animalistic desires. It's not something that has no ramifications. But there are some deep, deep spiritual impacts that sex has for us. It's, it's not just something physical, it's something emotional, it's something spiritual. 
And when you unite yourself with a prostitute, when you unite yourself with someone that's not your wife, when you unite yourself with someone that you don't know, that you just found yourself in a situation, you're actually joined with them spiritually. There's a connection there that you can never get back. You know that you're giving part of yourself away. That's why, young people, I encourage you so much to make sure you're guarding yourself in this area. Because the people who have the biggest issues in life, for the most part, are people who have sexual baggage. And it's unfortunate. But people who were abused sexually as kids, they deal with a lot more things in life than people who weren't. It's completely unfair, but the truth is because it's sexually driven. That something happens to you in the midst of sexual activity. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And then listen to his instructions. Flee from sexual immorality. Like run from it. Like don't hang out and don't check it out and don't stay close. If you see sexual immorality, you're to turn and run from it. Turn the channel. Get the TV out of your bedroom. Don't go to that place. Stop talking to that person. Run from it. Don't allow there to be an opportunity for you to fall into a trap. Get out of Dodge. It's the only way you can steer clear. Paul is encouraging us. Run, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against his own body. Sexual sins are different than any other sins you'll ever commit. Every sin that you commit is outside of your body except for sexual sins. And when you sin sexually, you sin against your own body. You tear down your own body. You lose a part of yourself. You're damaging yourself. You're degrading yourself. You're not being who God designed and intended you to be. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God Listen to this, listen to this. If you're a Christian, if you claim to follow Christ, if you want to live a life that pleases God, listen to this. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You can't tell me what to do with my body. It's my body. I'll do what I want with my body. Not if you're a Christian. Not if you want to live a life that pleases God. Your body is not your own. In fact, The Bible tells us that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our church meets in a gymnasium. And when we tear down the curtains and the lights and the stage and we move out and it's just a gym again, this is not God's permanent residence. Like he's not here living completely. Where is he? He's living inside our bodies, all of us. So everywhere we go, God goes with us. Why is it that It's easier for us at times when we go to a physical location called church that we would not do things that we would do outside of church. It's a mystery. It's a mystery because all it is is a group of people who carry God with them coming together, but God's still with them when they leave. But it's so much easier. I mean, think about it. You come to church and you would never, like if I put a porn on right here, I said, we're going to talk about sex today. Check out this porn clip. You would be like, what is he doing? What is he doing? How dare he do that in church? 
My pastor showed a porn clip in church. But how common is it for people in this room to go home and sit behind a computer and look at porn? You wouldn't reach over in church and start making out with someone that's not your wife. Which I hope you wouldn't. I can't imagine up here preaching to know somebody's married and I see them start making out with somebody that's not their wife. I would be like, in church? In church? And the truth is, you are the church. When you leave, you should behave no differently. You should have the same perspective. You should have the same focus. But we don't. It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get distracted. And your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important sexually to remain pure. If you're married or if you're single. We've got to remain pure. We can't go down the path that everybody's going down because it leads to destruction. It degrades our bodies. It sins against ourselves. There are things that we will take with us into relationships and carry for the rest of our lives that we wish we could go back. Listen to me, young people, myself included. We, we all who are a little older than you would say, I wish we could go back and just change some things. We would have made some different decisions. We would have done some things differently. And you have opportunities that we don't have anymore to guard some areas in your lives. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in you. If you wouldn't do it at church, you sure shouldn't do it when you're not at church either. It's the same concept, same God in the same place. And here's, here's been the churches. This is what frustrates me, the church's approach to sex. It's so worldly out there. There's so much evil. There's so much sexual immorality. And the only thing you ever hear in church is what? Don't do it. Young people don't have sex. And we never encourage anyone with the beauty of God's design for sex. Listen to Proverbs chapter 5, starting in verse 15. This is Solomon speaking. He also wrote Song of Solomon. He says, drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. This is sexual implications. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in public squares... Let them be yours alone. Like, guard yourself sexually. Don't let them be for everyone. Never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. He's talking about sexual expression here. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. You remember, married people, when you first met your spouse, how in love with them you were, how attracted to them you were. And when you first got married, how... How much you loved being together physically. He's saying enjoy it. That's God's design. He wants that from you. He's not telling you don't have sex. He's just saying use it in the right way. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts always satisfy you. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. He's saying sex is pleasurable. I designed it that way. It's okay, it's good, enjoy it. I gave it to you, it's a gift, it's beautiful, you'll love it in the right context. Can you imagine Adam and Eve, God's first created humans on this earth, they were in the Garden of Eden and God would come and walk with them in the day. Can you imagine like if he walked down and they were having sex and he's like, oh, what are you guys doing? Like, do you think he was surprised? Like, you think he said, oh my God, I guess he would say, oh my God. Like, he wouldn't do that, he wasn't surprised. He knew that would happen. He gave them sexual organs that complement one another. I think it was designed that way. Okay? He wasn't like, 
what are they going to do? I never knew this would happen. What am I going to do? No, he wasn't. It was his design. He wants you to be satisfied together. It's his design. I don't know why we're so like, don't have sex, don't have sex. And then you get married. You start having kids. You know? And married people, like, they go months and years with never having sex. I don't understand it. Like, you used to couldn't take your hands off each other. Now you never touch each other. You're missing God's point here. You're missing it. You're missing it. And a lot of reason that we're missing it is because we've bought into some of the world's lies and we're on the wrong path. Why am I son be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? For your ways are in full view of the Lord. Do you hear that? Your ways are in full view of the Lord. There is nothing hidden from God. Do you hear that? Do you understand that? You can't do anything in secret from God. He knows. You're in full view of him. Can't fool him. Can't hide. It's not secret. So you might as well just imagine that he's sitting next to you, enjoying it with you, or really being disgusted by it with you. It's the truth. It's in plain view. And he examines all your paths. He cares about how you treat your body. He wants you to enjoy his gift for you in the right context. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sin hold them fast, for they lack of discipline. For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their own great folly. There are deep hurts that come with sex outside of God's design. And I want us, I want us all to experience the freedom in God to enjoy his design in this area of our lives. And to walk down the narrow path that leads to life. It's a life-giving path. It's a beautiful path. There's so much out there that's considered normal. So much out there that's considered normal that keeps us from staying on that path. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you five keys to maintaining sexual purity. Five keys to maintaining sexual purity. If you've got something to write them down, I encourage you to write them down. Pull out a smartphone, make some notes, whatever that looks like. Five keys to maintaining sexual purity. This is for single people. This is for students. This is for married people. You know, I, I used to have this thought. I used to have this thought. I can't wait till I get married because I won't ever be tempted again. I can't wait till I get married. I'll never be tempted again. It's not true. There's as many temptations for married people as there are for single people. There's as much sexual immorality at your fingertips if you choose to indulge in it. For married people, there are for single people. So married people, single people, five keys to maintaining sexual purity, which leads you to be a sex rebel down a path that leads to life. Number one, dress for success. Dress for success. I know that you've worked hard for your body. I know you've put in a lot of time and you've ate right and you've sacrificed and you've put in lots of exercise and you look perfect and you're proud of it. I get it. But when you post a selfie of yourself in the bikini, you just need to understand that you're not dressing yourself for success. And when you choose to wear something that you know is going to attract people to look at you, you just need to understand that that not only are you not dressing for success, but you're allowing the way you're dressing to be a temptation to other people. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. People who are going to lust after you because they think you're beautiful, they'll lust after you no matter what you're wearing. They don't need your help. So stop helping. Does that make sense? Like if someone like 
is sick in the head, maybe they're perverted, whatever, and they're just wanting to lust after you, like you could wear a big, huge robe down the street. They're still going to lust after you, okay, because it's mental. But they don't need your help. And when you dress in a way that is provocative or enticing, it makes it harder on you to maintain sexual purity. Modesty is what we're after here. Guys, girls, men, women, let's be modest. Not just in the way we dress, but the way we present ourselves online, the way we communicate with people. Forever at a place where we start thinking in our minds, I hope so-and-so notices me. I want someone to, to think something about me. I want to get certain attention. If, if you have to dress a certain way, especially young people, to get attention from people you want to get attention from, then you don't want their attention. Just being honest with you. If the way you dress is the primary thing that attracts someone to you, then you're, you're attracting the wrong people. They're going to take advantage of you. They're going to lead you to do things that you don't want to do. So you've got to be intentional about thinking about what you wear. Am I telling you when you go to the beach, you've got to wear like, you know, long everything? I don't care what you wear to the beach. Wear what you want to the beach. But you just need to know that if you want to be sexually pure, you need to think about it. And what you think about it may look differently than someone else. I'm not telling you what you have to wear. I'm just saying you need to be modest. And even if you think there's nothing wrong with what you're wearing, you should just consider, you should just consider that there are people out there who may notice you in certain ways that you should at least consider and give them the benefit of not making it easy for them to stumble along with yourself. Dress for success. It's an easy first step. Don't present yourself as a sexual person who's attracting people who are sexually involved and it'll be easier on you to maintain sexual purity number two save the benefits of marriage for marriage save the benefits of marriage for marriage <coughs> truth for you um, I am getting ready in August to marry my I think it's my 10th couple Of the 10 couples I've married, there were at least two-thirds that were enjoying benefits of marriage before they got married. Listen, there is no condemnation. We can't go back and change the past. But if you're not married now, you can. Okay? So what I'm about to say isn't intended for anyone who has a past that wasn't godly or that they regret or that they wish they could change. But it's going to be hard for you to maintain sexual purity if you're living with someone that's not your spouse. You're definitely not maintaining sexual purity if you're sleeping with someone that's not your spouse. But it's normal. Can we just, it's normal. It's what normal people do. And normal people make statements like, well, I wouldn't buy a car without test driving it. What's that even mean? So you only want a marriage that, whatever. We've got to make sure we're compatible. <laughs> there are things about the person you're going to marry that you are not compatible with. I'll just tell you that. No matter who you marry. 
You're going to argue over silly stuff and stupid stuff. Just, you just expect it. Okay? But when you enjoy the benefits of marriage before you're married, what are you going to do? You're going to make it harder to maintain sexual purity, which means it's easier for you to sin sexually, to degrade your body, and to carry stuff with you into your future that you don't need to. And it takes away from some of the joys of God's design for marriage. You know what I wish I could say? I wish I could say my wife is the only person I've ever kissed. I wish I could say that. I really do. I wish I could go back into my life and never kiss a girl until I got married. That's what I wish. Because do you know, like, the purity of saying the only person I've ever even kissed is my wife? The only person I've ever kissed is my husband? Like, how cool that would be? Because your past doesn't matter at that point. It doesn't matter what people say about you. You're living with someone that you can trust completely because they've never experienced anything but you. I would be the world's best kisser, right? In the eyes of my wife. She never kissed anybody. That's all she knows. What? <laughs> it's true. But we carry all this stuff with us into our relationships. It's like, well, you've got a past, and you know, you've got that person, and I wonder if this, and am I as good as that? And God never intended you to have those thoughts. So don't enjoy the benefits of marriage until you get married. Save them. And they'll be so much more glorious. Number three, avoid time alone with the wrong people. Avoid time alone with the wrong people. I'm not talking about like you're in a restaurant and you're standing at the cash register and, and, and the lady behind the desk leaves and someone comes up and stands beside you because they're going to pay your ticket and you're like, nope, nope, can't do that. I'm not talking about that. Come on. What am I talking about? I'm talking about when you allow yourself to spend time with someone who is not your spouse, you open yourself up to sexual temptations. And listen, I'm not talking about just physically in the present together. Confession. It's a good confession. When I was in college, I dated a girl that I thought I would marry. She broke my heart when she dumped me. I hurt for months. Met the woman in my dreams in Lindsay. We got married. Several years into marriage, I got a Facebook friend request from my ex-girlfriend. Truth, I did. My first thought was, what is her deal? And then the more I left it sitting in that little friend request inbox, I started thinking, well, I wonder what she's up to. When I deleted that friend request, temptation was gone. I never thought about her again. I don't think about her. I love my wife. She is everything I need. But for a moment, there was a temptation from someone in my past that caused me to just think, I wonder what they're doing. I wonder, it would have been so easy for me just to send a message, what are you up to these days? My Lord, stop spending time alone with people it's going to lead you down paths you don't want. You don't need to be trying to find somebody online to talk to, to catch up with. You don't need to be, like, for me, and maybe you don't, maybe my standard isn't like, I'm not saying this is God's will for your life, but I will never be in a car with a female. 
It's not my wife. I won't. I'll make a parent mad that I live in the same neighborhood with a young lady, but I won't take her home because I'm by myself. I'll make her mad and make her drive out here. I won't do it. I don't care. Get mad at me, but she ain't going to say nothing that I did to her. It's going to cost me in my future. I won't even entertain the thought. If I meet with a person of the opposite sex, it's in a public setting. It's with a door open. There's times that it has to happen. I'm not saying that you can never have a conversation with someone's opposite sex. But you're not going to catch me on the phone just like, hey, how was your day? What you been up to? I was just thinking about you today. To someone that's not my wife. Why would I spend alone time? Why would I spend quality time with someone that's not my wife? Because it's normal. That's why. Because it's normal. And there's something inside of you that's lying to you that says... You just might find some kind of fulfillment in it. That's how it starts is emotionally a lot of times. Don't do it. Don't spend time alone with someone that's not your spouse. And you can maintain sexual purity. Number four. You still love me? We're still together here? Feeling a little tension in here. Number four. Steer clear of pitfalls. Steer clear of pitfalls. Okay? It's easy to think of it this way. Like if you're an alcoholic, like if you drink way too much, you're always drunk and your family's left you, you got nothing and you want to change your ways, like you just shouldn't go to bars where they're going to serve you alcohol. Like that makes sense, right? Like if there's a street that you drive down and there's always beautiful women, they're running and they're barely dressed and you're always like looking and, and you find yourself finding excuses to go down that road, you could have got there quicker, but you decided to go this way just so you could see the women. Like it's a pitfall. It's an opportunity for you to sin sexually by lusting after someone you don't need to. Maybe you should drive out of your way to go around the road. I don't know. Like if porn is a problem for you, you shouldn't have a computer in your bedroom where you're on the computer and no one sees it. Like if your wife, if you got kids and you're in the living room, like you're probably not going to be looking at porn, right? You're probably going to go behind the door and lock the door. So don't have a computer in there. When I was in high school, I took a TV out of my bedroom because I was starting to look at things. And you say, what? Well, it doesn't matter. My freshman year of college, Southern Polytechnic State University in Marietta, I had a roommate who went home for a weekend. It was a technical college, engineering college. Students had wired our entire dorm with free cable. Maybe I shouldn't have used it, but I did. And it included movie channels. For the first time in my life as a college freshman, I watched a full porn movie. I'm proud of it. It changed something in me. I wish I could go back and never have done that, and I would not have had the temptations that I had in this life. It is important for you to avoid pitfalls. It is important for you to position yourself for success. If you have a history with someone, if you feel attracted to someone, they don't even know you're attracted to them, but you have an attraction to someone and you're starting to think ungodly thoughts about them, don't be around them. If you know they're going to be somewhere, don't go there. Avoid a pitfall because if there's a pitfall and you're walking towards it, you have a greater opportunity not to maintain sexual purity. And I want us to go down this narrow path, and it's hard. Only a few people go down it, but it leads to life. Stay off that broad path. It's full of pitfalls. Last one, number five. 
this may be the most important, actually. Welcome accountability. I know that there are men and women in here who struggle with sexual sins. For sure, pornography. Maybe there's people in here who are having inappropriate conversations with people, spending a long time with people they shouldn't be spending. Maybe you've crossed the line and you're doing things with people that you shouldn't be. Don't struggle alone. You will lose alone. Life is better together. Welcome accountability. Listen, some of you men, my wife would drive you nuts because I told her when we first got married, you're welcome to look at any text message that I ever have. You look through my emails, you look at my phone records, and you would feel like she doesn't trust you. But it's not a lack of trust. It's I want her accountability. And I know she's going to be looking at the history of my computer. She's going to be reading my emails. And if I know that, it makes it easier for me to avoid sexual temptations. You need to have some kind of software on your computer that blocks out inappropriate sites if you want to beat it because it's not easy. You need to have somebody in your life who knows your struggles, someone in your life who knows what you're going through and who's willing to ask you the hard questions. Have you talked to her? I know you told me you're struggling with her. Have you talked to her lately? Man, you got to stop. You got to stop. I talked to her this week, man. I'm sorry. Because what that's going to do is it's going to cause you to make decisions that are better for you because you know someone cares enough to ask you. The truth is you can lie to them, yes. But now you're going to be dealing with two sins instead of one, and it makes it harder for you to do it. Welcome accountability. Dress for success. Save the benefits of marriage from marriage. Avoid time alone with the wrong people. Steer clear of pitfalls and welcome accountability. And if you'll do those five things, it's not going to make you sexually perfect. It's not going to solve all your problems. It's not going to fix you, but it's going to help you pursue sexual purity, which is our goal. Now, let me talk lastly to our teenagers, our students specifically, but to all of us. You have a lifetime ahead of you. You've got a lot of decisions between now and when you're my age. And you can make some decisions today. You can make some commitments today that will help you. When I was 12, I made a commitment to save myself sexually for my wife. And I wasn't perfect. I'm not saying I never lusted. It wasn't perfect. But I can tell you that that commitment that I made when I was 12 kept me from doing some things that I would regret today. Still wasn't perfect, but having just a simple commitment that says, you know what, I'm not going to have sex until I'm married, caused me in moments where I could have easily sinned to say, I can't do this, I made a commitment, I can't do this, I made a commitment. And it made a difference in my life. There's a pastor at a church called North Point Community Church in Alpharetta. And he, he made this statement, I'm going to leave with you young people. Giving up something now for something better later isn't a sacrifice. It's an investment. Giving up something now for something better later, it's not a sacrifice. It's not like you're not getting to do things that other people are doing. It's that you're investing in something that later in life is going to be so much better than they'll ever experience. And I'm going to encourage us all 
to head down the narrow path, to rebel against normal, and live lives that are sexually pure. Because that's God's design and it's his best for us. Now, let me end with some quick thoughts because all of us in the room have just heard everything we've talked about. And we're going to leave, if we leave right now, we're going to leave like, dang, I screwed up. I am a failure. And you're not going to feel encouraged at all. Because you have a past, and I have a past. And you're going to look at your past in light of what we talked about, which was God's standards today. One man, one woman in the marriage covenant. And you're going to say, man, I blew it. I'm blowing it. Whatever it looks like. You're going to beat yourself up. And here's, here's what I want you to know. That's what God's grace is for. God doesn't hold your past against you. It's the beautiful thing about God is he has grace for you. He has grace for me. That we can confess sins and he'll forget them. He doesn't hold them against us. That we can have mistakes that we regret and we just need to learn to accept God's forgiveness. So here's three quick things. I'm going to say them really quick. If you've messed up, if you've missed the mark, number one, repent. If you're currently involved in something, and today you heard something, you're like, oh, I've got to stop doing that. If you had that thought, repent. Start with 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Okay, so repent means turning from that and stop doing it. So stop doing it. It's not enough just to say I shouldn't do it. You've got to stop doing it. Okay, repent. Change your ways. Number two is you've got to receive forgiveness. You've got to receive healing. Isaiah 1, 18 says, though, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. It doesn't matter how dirty your past seems. God can make it beautiful and clean just like that. There is no past that will ever be held against you. It's God's grace. It's a beautiful thing. And you've just got to receive that. You've just got to say, you know what? I blew it in the past. I screwed over. But starting today, I'm pursuing sexual purity. Number three, reorder your life. Take some of these five things and just say, how can I live life that leads me towards success, leads me towards life, and make some changes. Reorder some things. End some relationships that you shouldn't be in. Stop doing some things that you're currently doing that you know you shouldn't. Does that make sense? So I'm not here to beat you up because, listen, we all, my, my hand's raised. We all have fallen short in this area. And I am so thankful for God's grace. And I want you to experience God's grace as well. But starting from today forward, I want us to move in the right path. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for, thank you for sex. First of all, I just want to say that. I'm so thankful that you have created something that's such a gift to us. That sex isn't evil. Sex was a gift. And you created it for us. Just in the right context. And help us, Lord, to head down a path that's going to lead us to life. We don't want to carry baggage and we don't want to carry regrets with us into our future. We don't want to sin against our own bodies and we definitely don't want to disrespect you by subjecting you to some immoral activity when you reside in our hearts, in our bodies. 
Give us the strength, the courage, the boldness to be different, to rebel against normal, to refuse to believe the lies that the more people you sleep with, the better you're going to have a reputation. All those lies that the world throws at us, just help us to reject them and head down a path based on God's principles. And for that, we give you thanks and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.